Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. This is Max Castellanos, El Chingon de Texas, here with Benny Berry. You're listening to the WrestleVille Podcast. listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest this episode is Max Castellanos, professional wrestler from Texas, and uh, five years. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. Hey, thank you. Uh, you know, we were talking before we started recording a little bit about how you got into professional wrestling, and I thought that was a very interesting story. I think it'd be a good way to start out our conversation. Could you tell us about that? Absolutely, man. Uh, back in 2012, 13, and 14, I was competing in bodybuilding and strongman. And uh, I made my way up to the Arnold Classic at the Expo in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, WWE happened to be in town at that same Expo. So long story short, I ended up bumping into the right guy. Uh, he was a talent uh, scout for WWE. And I remember I went up to him and I asked him, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm, I want to get into the business. You know, how, how, do, how do I do it? You know, I do this. I've done sports all my life. You know, I'm athletic. I'm coachable. And he looked at me head to toe and he's like, how tall are you? And I was like, I'm six foot one. He's like, how much you weigh? And at the time I was about 255, 260. And I told him I weighed and he's like, are you bilingual? And I'm like, yes, sir, I'm bilingual. Spanish being my dominant, you know, language. And he's like, okay. He's like, he pulls out a card. Next thing I know, man, two months later, I'm at the Performance Center in Orlando. I've never been in a ring before. And my first ring is a WWE ring. You know, you got top of the coaches in the world. You got Jerry Briscoe. Um, you had Billy Gunn. You had um, Triple H was there. William Regal was there. Uh, and different wrestlers were stopping by from the PC and stuff. So I had never done a roll. I had never done a back bump. I, I didn't even know what a back bump was you know, or running the ropes and stuff like that. So day one, I mean, they just drilled us. It was like running the ropes and I didn't even know how to grab the ropes. So I'm doing all these things. So I remember Jerry Briscoe pulls me to the side and he's like, he's like, hey kid, he's like, how many years you've been working? And I'm like, uh, what do you mean working? Like, like at my job? He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> he's like, working like, and I was like, I don't understand where, like I didn't speak, I guess the wrestling slang. That's how naive I was. I watched it growing up, but I was just a fan, you know, I would watch wrestling, but then I would do my thing, like play football track and stuff. I didn't, I didn't know the, the cult behind wrestling. I could, you know, if you can put it like that, like wrestling schools and stuff like that. So he's like, all right. He's like, who got you here? And I was like, Oh, like that guy over there. Like, I told him the whole story. He's like, all right. He's like, well, just do your best, you know, you know, smile and, you know, be happy to be here. And I'm like, absolutely. So uh, we went through a three-day thing. They took pictures of us, stuff like that. At the end of the uh, third day, I went up to, you know, to the guy that got me there. And I was like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you for having me here. Uh, I mean, I told you I had no experience. And you still brought me in. He's like, no, no. He's like, I want, we wanted to bring you in and stuff. He's like, right now, he's like, we can't offer you anything. He's like, you don't have any experience. I was like, oh, well, that's what I've been saying since the beginning, you know. But he's like, but you're 22 years old. He says, if you really want this, he says, find a good school. He says, there's good schools in San Antonio. There's good schools in, in Houston with Booker T. 
Uh, there's good schools, you know, and Dallas, he's like, go find something. He's like, and make a name for yourself in this business. He's like, and then if you're meant to be here, you're going to end up here. And I was like, all right, went back home and I thought about it. And I said, you know what, man, this is something I've always wanted to do since a kid. And I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I've, I've loved sports and stuff, but wrestling, like something in my gut tells me that I got to give it a shot. So at the time I lived in McAllen, Texas, which is about four hours south of San Antonio, where I currently reside. And uh, there was a show that was happening downtown and on the flyer was uh, the Brian Kendrick was going to be wrestling. He was a main event. So I'm like, hey, man, like Brian Kendrick, I know he was in, you know, SmackDown, WWE. I'm going to swing by, see what's up. So I sit right there and then a couple of wrestlers like pass by during intermission and they're like, hey, man, he's like, you should be a wrestler. And I was like, why you say that? And he's like, you're, you're pretty big, like to be in the audience, like you're bigger than the wrestlers that are actually wrestling. And I was like, oh man, like I'm actually want to be a wrestler. He's like, oh, he's like, you should go talk to, there's this guy, his name is Rudy Boy Gonzalez. He trains all these guys. He's like, he trained Danny Bryan, Brian Kendrick. He's like, you know, go, go talk to him. I was like, all right. I'm like, how's he look? And they kind of described him. I'm like, all right, you can't miss him. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go to the back and the other guys are looking at me, but they don't tell me nothing, you know? So I just walk to the locker room and I see Rudy Boy standing there and uh, I bump into him. I'm like, hey man, like, uh, are you Rudy Boy? He looks at me head to toe. He's like, yeah, like, what do you want? <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, I want to be a wrestler, dude, whatever. And uh, so we got into contact and then I started driving up from McAllen to San Antonio for six months. It's a four hour drive. So I would drive four hours, train for three hours and then drive back to McAllen, go to work. And I would do that about two to three times a week. So yeah, for six months, there was times that I wouldn't sleep. I would just go straight to work because I had to be at work up at 4.30 in the morning. And sometimes training would not finish till 11 p.m. plus four hours, you know. So I was like, dude, I'm just going to shower, go straight to work and then, you know, work out. So I was like, you know what? I'm young. Uh, right now is where I can abuse my body and I can, you know, take advantage of all this. Like I'll rest later. You know, I got to pay my dues at, at this young age to eventually become what I know I can be, you know. And uh, I feel we all have different talents and we all have different potentials, but we ourselves get in the way of becoming the best version of ourselves because, oh, I need sleep or uh, I need to take a break or, and for me, I've been the opposite, man. Since a young age, I've seen, you know, my mom, how much she struggled, how much she did for us that I was like, dude, the only way I can pay her back is by becoming somebody in this life that she's proud of. There's nothing materialistic I can give her on Mother's Day, Christmas, or her birthday, there's nothing materialistic I can give her more than saying every sacrifice I did for my kids, it was worth it because look what they became. So I would think of all those things, especially when, you know, the tiredness would kick in. I'm like, man, do I really want to do this? Like, you know, there's hundreds of guys that want to be wrestlers. Like, what's going to make me separate from them? What's going to, you know, I, I don't know how to, you know, bump. And I start questioning all these things, but you know, within three months, I was able to get everything. I graduated from the academy, even though I was training about two to three times a week only. I wasn't even doing the full schedule like everybody else. I took my test. I passed my test. And I did my first match on May 5th of 2016. Um, I remember I was driving up to San Antonio and there was a big car crash. This, uh, I was looking at my phone. And at the time, the girl I was dating, she says, watch out. Because I was looking down at my phone trying to put the, the address for the place. There's this car that's rolling headed to where I was driving to my car. So I just pumped the brakes and I swerved and I missed that car, maybe by, I would say, 10 feet. 
I get off of my car and I start running towards that car. And that car had, it was a mom, the dad, two brothers and a little girl. She was about six years old in the very back. The car was crushed. I remember the dad had a broken nose. He was bleeding all over the place. So people started getting down the cars. And I remember I had so much adrenaline. I started trying to break the door, but the glass cut my whole hands. So I was bleeding, but I didn't feel the pain. So eventually we got, we started getting the kids out. And then that's when the fire department got there, the cops and like everybody stand back. And I remember I was like, oh my God, like this did not just happen. Like I almost saw somebody die. And I remember, and then uh, my ex at the time, she said, hey, are you okay? I'm like, whoa, right after that, I had the biggest crash because my adrenaline shot so high within a short amount of time that she's like, hey, we have to get to the show. Like it's already gonna start. I'm like, dude, like, I can't, I can't function right now. And she's like, well, call the guy and tell him that you can't make it. So I call Rudy boy. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be late, but I'm going to be there. He's like, okay. He's like, I need you to be here. Like now I was like, oh, man, like this happened, like I'm on my way. And he had just told me, he's like, I need you to come to help set up chairs. I didn't even know I was going to have my first match. So I'm like, dude, like really there was an accident. Like, do you need me that bad to set up chairs? But I was the opening match and I didn't know that. So I'm driving there. I get there maybe about 10 minutes before, you know, bell rings. He's like, all right. He's like, you're going to work with this guy. He's like, uh, this guy's going over. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, I'm wrestling? He's like, yeah, tonight's your first match. I'm like, dude, what the hell? This is not happening. So I'm in the back changing, you know, trying to pump up. But I got so much stress going on. And I'm trying to forget the accident, you know, and stuff. I'm trying to focus on the match. Long story short, the match came out awesome. We had a good match. And then after that, man, I just, I started learning how to call it in the ring. I just started becoming that. I say, I want to be that ring general that I'm able to call any match. If stuff goes south, you know, maybe somebody forgets a spot, you can cover up. Nobody knows that's the art of wrestling, you know, the art of being able to recover, the art of being able to listen to the crowd, the being able to switch because I wrestle in Philadelphia and Philadelphia is a whole different crowd than Texas. You go to Dallas, it's a whole different crowd. You go to San Antonio, a whole different crowd. You go to McAllen, a whole different crowd. California, a whole different crowd. You need to be able to shift those gears to become that performer and not just say, well, I can only do this. I hope everybody likes it because it's probably not going to be. And even like that, dude, it's still that hard to get it down. So when I see these new kids, like, you know, when I go help out at the academy here in San Antonio with Rudy Boy and I see these new kids come in, I kind of see myself as far as, you know, being so naive and just underestimating the situation. And that's something that I've learned over the years is you never want to underestimate anything. I'd rather overestimate than underestimate because sometimes when you underestimate, you're like, damn, I might end up coming short. You know, I didn't, I didn't prepare for this. I'd rather overprepare. So I tell these kids, I'm like, man, the best thing I can tell you is get in the best shape you can. Learn how to work. There's a difference of remembering spine. There's a difference of actually learning how to work. Learn how to be intense. Make sure you lay your stuff in. Don't be, because, I mean, we're competing against UFC. We're competing against boxing. We're competing against all this stuff. And then you come and then you're slapping your thigh. I mean, what are people in the crowd? Oh, I, I can do that, you know? But when I do my matches, people are like, man, like, he is really hitting them. Like, those chops cannot be, you see the sweat flying across my opponents. And, you know, the, it's, it, it, it stings, but it's safe. You know, I'm not being reckless. I'm not injuring my opponents and stuff like that. But it's that intensity that you don't see nowadays. You look back in the days, you see the intensity of like, for example, I grew up around, you know, watching when Austin and Rock and Triple H, 
all those facial expressions, you know, is that's what caught me. There's like, man, like this is so cool. The facial expressions. And that's the thing that I feel a lot of a lot of that stuff is missing nowadays. Is it's just, yeah, doing all the moves. Is, okay, that's cool. But I man, when it comes to the facial expressions of like, you know, somebody's music plays and, you know, you see Vince McMahon's eyes popping out of his head, uh, out of his face and, you know, all that stuff is what got me. So for me, it's like when, when I become a wrestler, it's like I want to have that intensity. I want to have that larger than life persona. I want when people leave, they say my match was the best match, you know, and, and stuff like that. So that's stuff that I ended up learning and stuff that I learned thanks to Rudy Boy because he would say it over and over again. He's like, it's not about the moves, it's about the story you tell because we're telling a story without words. We're telling a story with our bodies. And how can we get across? Because even that, people, if they get bored, what they do, they get on their phone. You want them to have their phone down or if they have their phone, they're recording your match because it's so good that they're like, man, I, I need to show this to my friend. Or I need to post this. So next time wrestling comes around, I'm gonna invite them, you know? And that's what I feel that a lot of guys, you know, kind of like don't care about is, like, oh, I had a good match. Okay, on to the next show. And that's the quantity over the quality. And for me, it's all about quality. I'd rather have two shows a month for good companies and those matches make me better than have 20 matches where I'm breaking down my body. And I mean, it didn't make me any better because I did the same mistakes, you know? And I wrestled guys with the same bad habits, so. Yeah, getting getting in the ring with someone who is uh, maybe has a little more time than you. I was uh, I remember I'll never forget this conversation I had with Barrett Brown about oh, I don't know maybe three or four years ago, but he said he had a match with Cowboy Bob Orton, right? And okay. of course he's in his you know he's pretty close to retiring by this time. He's wrestling Bob Orton is right. And uh, Barrett Brown said almost immediately after that match, his footwork was better. <laughs> you, you know, you, you really do have to step up to, to with better competition or someone with more experience that you can uh, learn. And because, because as humans, you know, we're, we get comfortable, right? So, you know, if I'm, I, you know, if I'm wrestling someone who is the same skill set as me, I'm not getting any better. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it falls into pretty much every part of your life, you know, if there's not a leader, if there's not somebody who's challenging you to become better, you're going to stay stagnant. And that's a comfort zone. And I call the comfort zone is the danger zone, man, because relationships, job, anything, once you get comfortable, dude, you're done. And for me is as soon as I start getting comfortable with something, I got to, I got to pick it up. I got to challenge myself somehow. And, you know, there's been different challenges in wrestling. Like I remember one of my matches with MVP when I wrestled MVP, he showed up a little bit late and then he was selling merch. So I remember we were second on the show. Uh, Cause they had, they had Billy Gunn, they had Rikishi, they had MVP, they had all these like WWE guys and each one had like a match with obviously different guys. And we were not in the main, we were second. So first match goes on and MVP barely comes to the back and starts changing. And I was like, Oh man, like I'm, I've been changed for the past hour and a half ready to talk over this match. He looks at me. He's like, he's like, you look familiar. I was like, yeah. I'm like, uh, you saw me at Booker T's uh, at reality wrestling. He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, you're one of Booker's guys. You turn with Booker T, right? I was like, yeah. 
He's like, oh, you're good, man. He's like, we'll call it in the ring. I was like, all right. <laughs> so I just chilled out. I'm like, all right. So I remember my song played. I'm ready to go. And I got to cut a promo on him. And he just told me, he's like, hey, this is a finish. And I was like, okay. And everything we talked out there. I wrestled Carlito, same thing. We just called the finish. He looked at me. He's like, you know, like, you know what you're doing. He's like, MVP told me about you. I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, damn, words first around pretty quick. And the match was one of the most funnest matches I've ever had. And like I said, we only called the finish. We didn't know who was going to be baby, who was going to be heel. We went out there and he says, I'm being here, your baby. They want you. They don't want me right now. I was like, all right. Well, I'm glad that you're, that you're going that route because, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, several veteran wrestlers. I've been spending a lot of time here recently talking to Black Bart and, and they, you know, that's all they did you know they called it in the ring and you know he'll he he's he'll go to some matches today and he'll he'll do a run in or he'll he'll be on the outside of the ring uh with a with talent or you know like welcome to the ring or whatever be their manager but he he says that he goes back in the the dressing room and he sees those guys he says Man, they get there early in the morning. They're just sitting there talking, playing, and move by move by move by move. He says, man, sometimes we, we got to the arena, you know, half hour before we were, you know, to get to the ring. And we just get our, our gear on and, you know, hey, this is the finish. And, you know, this guy's going over and, you know, make it, it work, you know. And 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 so I'm when you when you share that, because... I don't talk to a lot of new wrestlers. And when I say new wrestlers under 10 years that, that are telling me stories like you are, because it just doesn't, it's not a very common thing today. Right. Right. Thank you. And I mean, I, I take, I take all those things, like I said earlier as a challenge because it, it, it proves to me and I, I, I prove myself to other guys and stuff as far as for me, respect, is everything. Earning the respect of your peers in this business for me means everything because if they come back and they shake your hand, they're like, you're doing good, kid. MVP, he's like, it's just a matter of time I see you on TV. Carlito, he says, hey, man, I'm in Houston. He's like, wherever you need anything, like, you you earn that respect. I was able to uh, wrestle Shad before he passed away uh, against Crime Time. And uh, same thing, we called him the bag. We walked maybe a couple spots in the ring for like five minutes. We finished our match, went to the back, and Shad is like, that's what I'm talking about. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. He's like, I thought we were going to have trouble, but you know what? You listen well. You're good. You're good, dude. Like, keep doing your thing. I was like, man. And then obviously, unfortunately, he passed away a few months later. Same thing, wrestled Ronnie Mack. We called everything in the ring. Um, to Guerrero in Arkansas. Uh, I remember he had a, he had a like dislocate or broken collarbone, something he showed me. He's like, just be careful. Don't hurt me. I was like, oh man. I was like, all right. We went through a 20 minute match and he put me over, go to the back. He's like, Hey man. He's like, that was super fun. He's like, you took care of me. He's like, that's all that matters. We shook, hug it out. I went my way. He went his way. And for me, I take pride in that. I take pride because when I started and I made all those mistakes of not knowing how to call a match. And I, I remember I would stay in my living room till two in the morning 
and I would be calling matches by myself. I would tie up with invisible guy and I would say, okay, or, you know, grab the arm and do this and do this. In case I was put in a situation, I knew how to get out of that situation. You get what I'm saying? So that's what I mean by over And some of these guys is like, you know, they just kind of go blindly and see like, well, I hope it works out. Not for me, you know? Right. And, and another thing, you know, there's so many things that could go wrong, right? I mean, just, I mean, the, the referee could walk, walk in a different direction. You didn't expect him to go there. And then you just missed your moveset. <laughs> I mean, so what are you, what are you going to do? Absolutely. I'll tell you this. I've been in matches where referees forget the finish. I've been in matches where I herniated two discs on my neck. I've been in matches where I've been concussed and I don't know what day it was. And I still finished the match just by being on autopilot and then waking up and I'm in the hospital. <laughs> and it was just that, you know, the body just knows it's just functioning. So, and that's been in short five years. So I started saying, you know what, I'm doing a lot of matches, but I need to take care of myself. There was one match. I caught a guy in the air and my neck just cracked. Next thing I know, I'm under the MRI and they say, you know what, C3, C7 are herniated. You don't need surgery. He's like, but it depends on where you take care of your body. It's going to depend if you're going to need surgery eventually. So that really opened my eyes. And I remember Rudy Boy would always preach. He's like, until you get hurt, you end up working smarter, not harder. And for me, it was, hey, before I got hurt, I was like, give me a backdrop, you know, give me a superplex and give me, you know, 20 bumps and, you know, clothesline me over the top rope. And now it's like, uh, if you want to do that, you do that, dude. I ain't going to do none of that, you know? Right. So, and, 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 you know, too, with, with the storytelling and psychology, you don't have to do all those bumps. I nope. mean, eventually you're going to have to do something, right? But 20 in a match, you don't have to do 20 in a match. But young me, you know, at 22, 23, I was flying from the top and I was like, I'll do another backdrop if I need to in the concrete. <laughs> now I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that, dude. Uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, I, I'm, I'm coachable. That's that's one thing. Some guys have 10, 15 years and they still don't get it. And for me, is I learn from other people's mistakes. It's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to become that. You can kind of see the writing in the wall and you have to be have a good judge of character to say, all right, this is where I exit or this is where I continue. This is where I kind of give it a pause, let it breathe. Because sometimes we're, you know, we put some time. I've always had the issue of having putting time frames in my life, like saying, okay, by 29 or by 28, I want to be here by 26. I want to do this. And 10 times out of 10, it's not going to go your way because life has a way of changing all your plans. Right. And, now it's kind of like a match, a call it out there. Same thing, you know, the day starts, call it out there. You don't know what's waiting for you around the corner. You know, take it day by day. Yeah, have a blueprint of what you want to be, have a blueprint of your future, of your career. But what entitles you that is going to go that way? You know, what makes so sure that, you know, you're going to get picked up by WWE? Because maybe I get picked up by WWE this year. Maybe I get picked up in two years. I don't know that. What I do know and what I can control is my hard work. You know, working my promos, writing my promos down, working on my match and learning how to work in the ring. That is what I can control. The rest is subjective. The rest is up to them. I'm not going to sit there and wait and say, well, I hope WWE calls. No, I'm going to continue moving with my life. I'm going to continue, you know, doing the plans I want to do. But time goes by fast. And by the time you know it, I mean, I was 22. Now I'm 28. In two months, I'll be 29. 
I'm still not in WWE. Have I wrestled for WWE? Yes, I have. Have I, you know, talked to all these guys? Yes, I have. Great, amazing experiences, but I'm still not under contract, which is the main ultimate goal that I know deep in my heart, I have the potential to hang with those guys. I know it and I believe it. It's just a matter of time. And that's the thing, when you believe something and you have that, you know, the talent, the hard work and everything behind it, it's just a matter of the opportunity open up and being ready as far as in shape, as far as in cardio and everything. Not saying, oh, well, uh, give me two months. Give me two months. Let me get in the, and then, no, no, no. You stay in shape year round. There's no excuse for you saying, well, these months, I'm kind of going to go off season. I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to be laid back. I used to kind of think like that, but then I just, you know, a series of things that happened in my life, it just made me step it up more. They say, you know what? I can be more. I can become more. And people around you feel that energy. And they say, you know what? I want to be part of that. That some, something about that makes my day better. I've always been like, I want to I be with people that make my day better, that enhance my day. Don't add stress. Don't bring me down. Or, you know, you, you see somebody, you talk to somebody, and all they talk about is their problems. Oh, man, I feel worse. I'm like, no, I want to I wanna hear solutions. I want to hear what you're doing about to get better, you know? So I'm, I'm pretty intense, man. And when I get worked up and when I'm passionate about something, I'm going to, if I have to cry about it, I have to scream about it. If I, if I don't care about it, I'm just going to say, okay, cool. Right. You know, uh, you take very good care of your body. I've seen some pictures of you, your personal trainer. Uh, obviously that's got to, to play into, I mean, it's got to, play in your favor right yes and here's the thing is i like i like to be the person that walks the talk you know walks your talk and stuff because you you go sometimes to gyms and i challenge anybody who's listening yourself is go to gyms and you might see one trainer is actually in shape the other guys they just have a shirt that says a trainer and they look like they need a trainer i'm like i, I don't understand that hypocrisy you know i don't it's kind of like a going to a guy that is broke and asking him hey how can i be a millionaire there's people that do that and it blows my mind. So it's like, if you're telling other people how to get in shape, you need to have some form of credentials. You need to, you know, maybe have done competitions or at least have some kind of abdominals, have some kind of muscular development because these people are coming to you for that. But if you, don't, you, if you don't even have that, what are you doing? You know, but some people are blind enough to waste their money or pay, you know, these people, they're not really certified for that. Just because they have a piece of paper on their wall doesn't make you a trainer. For me is the workouts you're giving these people, you already went through, not just one time, but many times. So, you know, around what time in the seconds is kind of the burn is kicking in, you know, when to tell them, Hey, go ahead and pause, go ahead and get a little bit slow, maybe a superset, you know, add a little bit more cardio, take off some carbohydrates do this. And when people see success, they go and they tell their friends and they tell their other friends and they tell their family members. So what, do, what do they do? Hey, well, hook me up with that trainer. I want to call them. And your business never stops. Because for 10 years, I've been a trainer. And for 10 years, I've never picked up my phone and said, hey, you want to train with me? Hey, you want? No, it started off me in 2012 making phone calls. And ever since then, I never needed to make phone calls. 
people reach out to me. People say, hey, man, I, I heard you're a trainer. My friend trains with you. You know, you're in shape. You provide meal plans. Cool. This is my price. Can you pay for that? Oh, can you do a little? I'm sorry. This is my price. If you cannot, I value myself. I know the services I provide. If you cannot pay for that, it's cool. I know you're spending money at the bars on the weekend. I know you're spending money at the mall. I know you're buying fast food. So if you don't have money to pay me for my services, which because I know I'm going to deliver, don't waste my time. And when you respect yourself and you put value to yourself, people say, you know what? All right, this guy's worth it, man. And that's how I carry myself. And I've been successful. I've been able to pay my bills through personal training. Some people need another job and then personal training or live with their mom or not for me, dude. I've, you know, at a young age, I need to be a man. I've been the oldest of my, both of my siblings. You know, my dad was, was not really around. So I saw my mom, how she struggled growing up. So I had to become a man, you know, at age 10, 11, 12, I had to defend her. I have to be there. So for me, I didn't have time to sit around and you know wait to see what happens or no man so uh all those things uh you know i feel that have made me into the person i am and obviously i'm not in my final mold because i feel every year i get wiser every year i learn from different situations every year i want to challenge myself in different avenues you know i don't have family but you know i want to have a family before i was I was more selfish. I just cared about me. I just said, oh, I, don't, I really don't care. Now I'm, I'm more in the position where I'm getting older, but one day I want to, I want to be blessed with kids. And one day I want those kids, everything I work hard for, for them to be like, damn, that's my dad. My dad raised the bar so high that no guy's going to, if I have a girl, I was like, no guy's going to just come and take me. It's like, my dad was this, my dad, that because I never had that. So I had that void in my life that I don't want my kids to have that void. But at the same time, I want to teach my kids how to make a dollar, not just get a dollar. Big difference. You know, so I apply that intensely. Like I said, I'm working out in my clientele and my clients are, hey, like, thank you for that workout. Like, I didn't think I was going to get through that workout. Cool. I didn't think you were going to get through it either, but you did, you know, and we build up to that. And then this is my success. And uh, I think those are the keys to being a successful personal trainer. Um, yeah, man. So I've trained at least, I did the math the other day, at least over 2,000 clients in the 10 years. And to the gyms I worked at, I brought a little bit over maybe three quarters of a million dollars in sales. Uh, made a lot of money in personal training. So whoever is listening wants to be a personal trainer, you can make a lot of money. But you need to learn how to advertise yourself. You need to learn how to speak and hold your value high and, and look the part. I'm sorry, same like wrestling. You got to look the part. I know we live in a world that is, oh, well, you know, you can be 140 pounds. And, and I'm sorry, dude. And you can call me out. I don't care. You can try to cast me. 140 pounds. If you have the guy in the front row that is 240 pounds and he looks like he can kick your ass, dude, to me, you're not believable. You're not. I'm sorry, dude. Either, you know, go do some push-ups, you know, at least get a bicep vein or get something. Make me believe because you go see all these Marvel movies and every single character is in shape. So you're going to tell me, like, why are they in shape? Because they're believe they have to be believable. Even the cartoons, look at Batman. Man, he's like six foot five, 290 pounds. Like, how did that guy get so jacked? You know, but it's it's that larger than life. 
And uh, I feel that we live in a world that is so lazy nowadays, you know, from DoorDash where, you know, ah, I don't want to go get my food. I just, I'd rather DoorDash come and bring it to me. Or, you know, I want to be a wrestler, but I want to be in shape because it requires working out and it requires dieting. And you know what? I like my comfort zone. I don't like to be challenged. So I'm not going to work out. I'm going to be accepted as a, no, I mean, I just think you have to have some kind of athletic build because if you don't do any exercise, what makes me think you're going to be able to last in the ring with me for 30 minutes? You're going to blow up on me. You're, I'm going to have to carry your ass because you can't, you don't have no wind. What? You're useless. You're useless to me as a ring and the opponent because everything I give you, you're not going to sell because you're so busy trying to catch your breath. Are you going to be able to carry me? I'm not a heavy guy, I weigh 235, but I don't know if you can carry 235 after being in the ring for 20 minutes. And that's when accidents happen. And that's when injuries happen because it all falls down to the foundation. If there's no foundation or your foundation is built on sand, your building is gonna collapse. It's just a matter of time. So, you know, whoever's listening, I challenge all those people is look at that. Look at, look at your, your stuff. Because even when you try from all avenues, I've tried, you know, everything, dude. I'm still not signed. I'm like, well, how much more do I have to do? I don't know. Maybe the timing is not right. Look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. It took him, what, nine years for him to get, become the biggest star ever. Starting in 89, you know, eventually started losing his hair. And then he shaved his head, got his final look. And same like somebody asked him in his podcast, they're like, do you think you would have been as popular as you were if you had long hair? And he's like, no, I don't think so. So sometimes like life throws at you all these different things that you have to adjust and you have to change. And maybe you had a vision of where you want to go. But unfortunately, you have to change that vision. You have to go somewhere else or adjust for some short period of time. Yeah, adjust your sale, you know? Absolutely. Well, Max, it has been wonderful i've enjoyed listening to you i've i've had a smile on my face from ear to ear <laughs> where can fans find you on social media if they wanted to get in touch with you if they want a personal trainer how do they find you all right so i'm i'm the most active on instagram which is max castellanos 80 80 uh you can dm me there uh, also Facebook, Max Castellanos and Twitter at Max Castellanos 15. Either platform, you can send me a message, a direct message. I usually go through all my messages. I respond sometimes to fans and stuff. I do, you know, uh, I post all these different workouts of, you know, what I do, maybe for the arms or for the total body. So even if you don't sign up for personal training, maybe you pick up something from the exercises that you can learn and, and apply to your you know, to your fitness routine and it might help you. I've had a lady that says she's been following me for two years and she lost 60 pounds uh, and she didn't even buy a program with me. She's just been following me and stuff. So I was like, Hey man, that's pretty cool. You know? And um, so you never know. You might, maybe you're like, I don't like that guy. I don't, I really don't care, but maybe if something I say helps you, then cool. I did my job to a point, but if you want a personalized diet plan with supplement plan as far as cardio and workout, and also I do, uh, I'm starting to do online uh, as far as like FaceTime workouts to make sure you're doing the proper form, you're doing everything. And then if you live in the San Antonio area, then we can do one-on-one -on -one personal training, which is in person. So, All right. Well, that's good. That's good to know. And uh, yeah, that's what a great conversation, man. That was awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. And I look forward to talking to you again. All right, man. Thank you. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fool. The Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Vault, Vault Volume, Volume 1. One. Bill Dundee, Super Mix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, it's Wrestling, Wrestling. Wrestling.